Entrepreneurs and dreamers, welcome back to The Dylan England Show. I'm your host, Dylan England. And on today's third episode of the podcast, we dive deep into branding, storytelling, AI, and some other fun tangents along the way. In order to do that, I invited my friend, an expert in that field named Philip Pearson, who's a co-owner of Modi Video Production. If you'd like to watch the full video podcast, you can do so on YouTube at The Dylan England Show. Thank you again for following. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation and this episode of The Dylan England Show. For everyone that's watching, thank you for coming by. This is Phil Pearson. So Matt and Phil own a company called um, Modi Video Productions. Uh, I got connected with Phil from a friend from college who watched the podcast, said, hey, Dylan, I think the podcast is a great idea. Do you need help with anything? And I said, yes, I, uh, I need help with editing because I can't keep up with it. And so we met because we'll talk a little bit about what your company does in a second. He connected me with a missionary who happens to be his father in Nepal. And now we have a bunch of really cool things happening. So yeah, um, it's been awesome. Our friendship kind of just taken off because of a guy named Clayton. Yeah, um, Clayton's the man. Clayton is the man. So tell me a little bit about uh, Modi. I'll give you a quick little introduction. So how old are you? 28. You're 28. I thought we're, yeah. the, so we're the same age. We're the same age. So which I don't run across like a lot of entrepreneurs no. who are just exactly my age. Most of them are like older or, or established or they're just getting started. And they're babies. Yeah, and that's why I was super excited because you meet people that are just as hungry, they're just as driven. And I'm like, I want to just take from the knowledge that Phil has as a fellow 28 year old, you're married, married, yeah. you have a kiddo, first kid, yeah, first kid. Yeah. And where, months. how old, 10 months. So sleeping schedule, he's getting great. there. Oh, he's, angel. he's great. And, and yeah, everybody watching that's a parent will be like, screw you, man. How, <laughs> how did, you know, we just got really blessed. Right. Cause I mean, he's, he's sleeping through the night. So we're, we're doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm getting pretty nervous. So Anna's due. So my wife and I are having our first kid in May, and it's going to be a girl. Dude, congrats. Thank That's you. That's exciting. And so uh, I just have a feeling the oldest girl is going to be a pain in the butt. I have a feeling. That like the first kid is going to be. That's what you have to kind of expect. Yeah, and, and I hope I'm wrong. You're happily surprised when you get to sleep a little more, maybe. Yeah, that's but it's I don't all... sleep anyway, so I'll be. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm excited. There you go. I just uh, stay up all night. <laughs> right. I'm excited. We're, we're gonna. So uh, speaking of kids, and we'll get back to to video because it's exciting. <clears throat> Basically, Anna said there's one thing that she doesn't want to skimp on, and I want to know if this is true. She was saying that you don't want to skimp on like. I don't know what to call it. Like it's like a recliner for the baby's room. Basically, it's like a place to sit. You know, you can feed mm. the baby, you can snuggle the baby. But yeah, she we've been given the advice that if there's one thing to get, it's like a chair that you can just have in the baby's room, and like it'll recline, it will whatever. And like yeah. so, Costco has one. And there's ones that are like three thousand dollars. They're so They're, expensive. So do you guys have we, something like that? We started looking right, and it's like same thing. You got to have it, and uh, the funny. Funny enough, we just ended up going with like a three hundred dollar one from Target, and yeah, we were. I think we we're looking at that one. Yeah, it's like it gray. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it works. I think we were looking it's at one fine. from Costco. It's kind yeah. of weird because I don't know for whatever reason it doesn't ever feel like you're truly just sinking back in. You're kind of you have to kind of push yourself back. Hmm. But when you have the baby, and I mean, it was three hundred dollars. It was three hundred dollars. <laughs> I couldn't believe the price tags on some of those things, though. Like fifteen hundred. Yeah. That's like starting. Anna literally on sent me one and she's like, I really think we need this. And I'm like, well, if we sell both cars in the house, we'll at least have <laughs> a chair we, to sit on. You have a chair to sit on. In our cardboard box <laughs> in your cardboard on the side box. of Fort Street. Oh, goodness. No, I, I was shocked that we didn't use it for the first like six months. Mm. 
Like we didn't need it. We never he he hated it, frankly. Like when we sat down, you cry. So you just, just start like crying. walking around. We had to walk around mm. and like nonstop. Uh have you heard of Dude Dad? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he's hilarious. Yeah. So he had a he had a piece on that where it's like, we got this really expensive chair, we got all this nice stuff, and he's like hopping around on one leg with the baby, trying to, you know, put him to sleep and it just so it depends. Now we use it a little more to sit in, to read books together before bed, things like that. But the, the funny thing about dude dad, I almost said him and his wife, but then I realized like he normally is also the wife. Like there is there is episodes where his wife shows up, <laughs> no, but he plays he plays he the plays wife. both sides and oh it's hilarious. Yeah. Did you know that dude dad got connected with uh Joanna and Chip Gaines? Oh good. That's so cool. he also is like super handy and him and his wife started like a fixer upper type. Hi channel Did on they do the magnolia network yeah it's on the magnolia magnolia network oh so so dude dad came to chip and joanna yeah. Gaines and they're doing a fixture up with them but it's separate like dude dad has its own show like like it's not own, like, not a part legitimate of legitimate show yeah like, yeah oh, so, so he's not doing so the chip and joanna Gaines, yeah have their own <laughs> magnolia network where they've actually like what? partnered with a bunch of That's like amazing either like believers or people that okay. like haven't been given a shot before and yeah so they, they're literally like they're off of hgtv and they start their own network they're Old episodes are still airing on, you know, HGTV, yeah. but they're, they start their own thing. I don't know how he comes up with that stuff. Honestly. No, I don't know either. Like, I've sat down, try to create, you know, we, we do stories. Like funny skits or... And, yeah, writing scripts. Like, on the way down here, before the podcast, I was on the phone with Ryan just talking about this one idea we're trying to... And we're trying to come up with one line, and we can't figure out that one line. Chat GPT. We've been Have you tried that. it? No, yeah, we did. Yeah. We've, we've, we've been using it more or less for, for some things, for some applications, but it's way more powerful than you think. Mm. I've kind of, I've kind of I, you know, I don't want to get political, but there's a couple of things about ChatGPT that's interesting. Mm -hmm. have, you got, have, you, have you followed that at all? Well, I know open, it's, it's a product of OpenAI, yep. which is owned by Elon Musk. Yeah. So well, here's the weird thing, though, is if you ask Chat. GPT and people have done this, like, give us a poem about Biden. It'll give this beautiful, eloquent poem about the leader of our country. Then if you ask him to get, if you ask chat GPT to give you a poem about Trump, yeah. it'll say, we try not to, we try not to talk about <laughs> politics. We don't talk. <laughs> Literally. And it's side by side. They did it for like 30 people. Like, That's and they would talk crazy. up Democrats and they wouldn't yep. talk up Republicans. It was, it was insane. Well, I've and also so, seen, yeah. Cause it's, it's from developers, right? Like, right. Like, I don't know where AI is as because the idea idea of AI is that it's going to be able to think for itself, problem solve, and have the codes to be able to like eventually generate answers without any type of human input. That's the whole yeah the whole AI piece. But it starts it it has to start from developers' hands, right? So developers' biases, developers, and get the, I, I they've been like gathering did, information for you know past two decades. And, and it's just all getting funneled into that is what I think. But yeah. do you think developers' biases are unintentionally influencing where AIs will be? It's hmm. a good question. I mean, Elon Musk himself said like... Well, he tweeted to, this. He tweeted ChatGPT. He's the one that tweeted all of this crap about like... Yeah. He's like, this doesn't make sense. This should be... He said, what did he say? They said, well, you own the company. You can't I know. the company. I know. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't. But I... I I don't know enough about it. Like I haven't looked into it enough, but I would like he Elon Musk even said he, he can AI. You know, he's like almost apparently scared there's of the secret board. You know, that has like the the button on AI that they mm. can they all talk about it, and he's 
he's not in favor of it. I know. Yet, at the same time, it's he's, like he's he pushing it. Yeah. And robotics. So I think he's probably changed his mind. Okay, so if we just strip that all away, yeah. like politically, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. All, I, what I think of AI is like it's a great opportunity for uh, to be used as a tool to build 100%. on. If you don't adopt it, you're just going to slow down in your yeah. production and your pro- you know your yeah. productivity. So if you can if you can adapt it and then build on it, throw in your own secret sauce, you know. I and, think you're going to be behind if you don't use it. I mean, like we literally just generated a script the other day for a client on Chat GPT, tweaked a few things, sent it off, yeah. and he's like, "Great!" And it took us like ten. We responded to an seconds. email. <laughs> yeah, correct. We didn't know how to respond to something, so we went to Chat GPT and we came up with a response. I actually have an interesting video idea where I want to use a a Chat GPT cold calling script and see if see I can, if it can work. See yeah. if I can close a client. You should do that. Yeah, or as that would a video be extremely idea. interesting. Yeah, I just have to actually hit record. Yeah, but I'm not really OC. I'm OCD about video production. So like, I get petrified of hitting the record button until I feel like I have the perfect video in mind. Mm. And if I don't have the perfect video from like start to end scripted, yeah. I don't hit the record button. Mm. You know, like so we all kind of struggle with that. Yeah, so just I'm, getting going and creating mm-hmm. content because I don't want it to suck. Like, I want it to be a good video, and so um, yeah, I'll, you want to put effort behind it. And then here's Chat GPT just creating, you know scripts on the fly and and so asking it like asking it to create a script and then i think that's a brilliant idea you just have to figure out how to like my mind was blown i didn't know what chat gpt was like a month ago and yeah. then i went to it because i heard like i saw a tweet from elon or something about it i'm like okay i gotta check this thing out and i asked it to do something and i was like i was sitting in a panera <laughs> and i was just like okay hands on my head watching it just type out this script like perfectly yeah i said like create a cold calling script for a small insurance agency. And it was just like, hello, my name is Dylan. I am the, I'm like, ah, like my brain just couldn't handle. I think like like, anything like repeatable in your company, you could, you can start to use AI mm -hmm. in it, like figuring out how to systemize it and have it run the process for you. It's just a matter of, I, I think there's so many, like right now there are softwares where you can start to plug in things where it takes pull sound bites. And create shorts. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's podcasting AI too. Okay. I, so like if you have two cameras, it will it will basically toggle between the two talkers and like create uh, cuts and stuff automatically. So you might wanna yeah. you might no, wanna watch out that's for that. Because like it's and now it's watch coming. Out, watch out for it, but then or adopt learn it. how to implement it and your you, company. If you can implement AI, you can continue to accelerate your growth as a company. Correct. Um and so my my thinking is is AI can't add that personal touch, right? Like it, it it can personalize something, but not specifically to you. Correct. Like it won't tell you Elon Musk's what he's thinking right now, mm-hmm. you know, where he wants to go. It'll tell tell you where he's been, essentially, but it can't it can't create a compelling story that's centered on real life. Correct. So that's where I think documentaries, that's where I think storytelling mm. is you can build on AI with that personalized aspect of it. So you think that AI can help a, a you know like a video production company for example scale like maybe they yeah, absolutely. couldn't scale before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you can have it do so many things now. I I know I, we haven't fully adopted like all these we're just testing things out. I'd say we're we're probably like not early adopters. We're we're just getting into it and we'll probably be like in the middle. 
just because there's not as mm. much need to just jump into it as quickly. Where you guys are at right now. Yeah, yeah, where we're at right now, we're trying to figure out how to implement it more. Um, but I know like some people have just used it to up-res, you know, images, video, correct audio that wasn't even there, mm. uh, create just, I mean, you can, you can fix a lot of problems. Mm. So that's it. You can also create a lot of problems. People are like <laughs> voice dubbing people that didn't say things and yeah. like, it's getting, it's getting interesting. I, I read an article crazy. where they're basically like, they should stop allowing voice recordings to be used for court cases because AI is getting so good at impersonating people's voices. Yikes. It's crazy. Like where we're going to, you know. It can incriminate someone. And that they didn't even say something. Yeah. I was watching a guy do it like a Zoom call and he had a voice changer on and he's like, Hey, this is Joe Biden. This is, you know, Bush. This is. And it was like, it was unbelievable yeah. what was coming through the speakers. And so that's going to be interesting to watch how as AI, I think AI is the next, it seems that AI is the next tech, like the next thing in technology that's booming, right? So you had the internet age. Yeah, sure. And so the dot-com era, the internet age, and then, you know, maybe you could maybe argue electric cars has been the big thing recently. And then all of a sudden AI kind of seems like it might be the next 10 year, just like yeah, explosion. Yeah. Um, have, have you worked with any like manufacturers? Like mm -hmm. we're in Detroit, right? And yeah. there's a lot of manufacturing going on. Yeah, we do. We have a good amount of factories, but we don't really get into the, we'll walk into the factory. We'll see the robotics and stuff happening, but then we just right. really talk to the staff. So we don't, but yeah, so we yeah. have some, but the robotics manufacturing 4.0. Okay. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. So it's, it's just where it's, it's fully systemized from start to finish without any human mm. interaction. And so that's where it's going. Like manufacturing 4.0 is trying to be adopted by at least the, the the biggest manufacturing plants out there. You still walk into places and they still have 50-year-old, 100-year-old equipment running. Mm -hmm. um, but at some point, those, are, those people are going to have to start to adapt to like manufacturing 4.0. I think AI is the same thing in creative fields. Like you're going to have to adapt. You know, you can't keep, you know, like, like still today, I, I see people who are like, right click copy right click paste and i'm like you know there's this control c control, control v. v yeah correct like that's so like last you know last year or not last, last year last, last decade. decade right um so those but that mindset those types of people mm. who couldn't figure out the control c control v if they can't figure out ai and how to adapt that's those are the types of people who are going to go out of business they're just mm. they're they're not going to be as relevant, they're not they're not going to be able to keep up. And it seems like the job market is shifting from you know, like in, especially in blue collar Detroit, potentially going from factory jobs to like we need uh, IT jobs. We need right like that's right. so if well, that if that's I, the boom, the next like it's, that might be the next big job opportunity in Detroit is. I think it could be yeah, is technology IT, and technology IT. and. I mean Tesla, you know, cybersecurity is is becoming a. a a huge concern with EVs yeah. and everything that's computerized. It, I mean, hacking cars, like, can they happen? Absolutely. Yeah, Tesla, pay, I heard that they, they, they would pay people to hack their cars because they're so... Figure out how to yeah, they're stop so, that. Yeah, they're so afraid of that happening. Yeah, so the cybersecurity, but on all fronts, like, it's not just about, it's not just about going in and stealing data. It's about going in and just deleting it. Mm. People just, it, it's the real estate of of technology is data. Mm. You said data or data? I say data, data. and data. 
both. Just, I say both. Okay. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll go with data. But so so data, right? It, that's the real estate of okay. um, the creative field. It's the mm-hmm. real estate of technology companies. Uh, and if you can just go in, hack hack in, and delete data, you set them back years. Mm. So it's not about because nobody knows where to put it either. Like you have these massive, right? You, you have can't these, do printouts of all this stuff. That's the thing. Like you no. can't. You don't have enough filing cabinets. No, but have you seen like Amazon where they keep no all, all like the cloud? Right, the cloud is yeah. a physical location, right? Like okay. People, people. It's like big server rooms, right? It's just huge, huge server rooms, huge just in the middle of deserts. Mm-hmm. You know, with security, you know, fences up and. 24-7. Right by Area 51, probably. Probably. Yeah. It might be in Area 51, it, it for all be. we know. Yeah, we don't know. But these places are all over the place. Mm. And it's physical real estate. But we, we think, oh, it's, it's, we're uploading it's it safe to this. somewhere on a server, yeah. The moment that doesn't become, uh, you know, safe. Like mm. someone goes in and you have a Chinese, you know, balloon. Balloons all over the place. Just like dropping bombs on these data centers. It's like. What you can cripple do? a nation, yeah. What does it do? I don't know. Well, I think I, that's been my fear of. I'm just going down this rabbit hole. Oh, right I now love. Of, we, we can't. Do, I love this theory. rabbit hole because. Well, this is the. <laughs> this is my fear of electric. If we make everything in our nation dependent on electricity, yeah. Like literally, you're. It's like you literally bomb electric grid, dude. We're toast. Can't drive our cars. We can't charge our phones. Right. We can't get our files because we need juice on a battery or something. We need internet data like like data the data data (laughs) is literally like everything to function is 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 on electricity our grids are so old yeah that like dude if in the past you'd have to drop a nuke now you just have to drop like a what what's that kind of bomb called that like emt emt whatever that is you know what i'm talking about emp emp EMT, they help people. <laughs> I know. I was like, my my brother in law is in an EMT. If he hears this, it's like, what are you like, talking no, about, dude? No. Thank you, EMT. EMTs. Yeah, uh, EMPs. Like that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nation crippled. Yeah. Right. That to me is where my mind runs. And when we talk about making our cars electric, literally everything, every OEM is pushing EVs. Production stops. Like, think about that. Right. We can go down this rabbit hole for a long way because I just I am interested to see. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, regrettably. Okay. Yeah, it was it was, it was a, fun. It was a great game until the but it, yeah. yeah the last like kick of the game is just like okay yeah but I this is where I'm going with okay. this so so there's a couple ads right that ran and everybody who doesn't watch the Super Bowl for the Super Bowl watches the Super Bowl for the, the ads the ads yeah and Ram had one did you see it it was a, a kind of a dig at the current EV push mm. which I thought was extremely time, timely from a marketing perspective. You know, I was just actually literally before the Super Bowl, I was having this conversation with a friend at church who uh, is working at Ford. You know, he's um, he's like a, he's an interning. He's an intern right now working. At, um, he goes to school at Kettering. OK, yeah, uh, yeah. but he's been doing some internships at Ford. Right. And uh, he's on this team that's developing a camera that can read a light and they can communicate back and forth. Mm-hmm. So a, bi- a bike light specifically. And it's uh, actually really cool stuff. I couldn't understand half the things he was telling me. I'm like, dude, just dumb it down. Um, yes. I like it simple. Uh, but we got on this topic of EVs and how like literally every OEM right now seems to be pushing this EV. I was just telling him like, why, where did the hybrids go? Mm-hmm. Like they would literally be the perfect vehicle in today's 
market where we're at with gas prices going up at least a year ago, they mm-hmm. were like skyrocketing. Right. And then you had people who, who just wanted that daily commute on an EV, you know, where they can get back and forth, but they, they don't like want their, miles, they, yeah. they don't want the range anxiety. They don't want, you know, all the hassle of like having to, well, the financial burden of having two vehicles. Cause you literally just can't have one vehicle. If Correct. it's going to be an electric vehicle, it's just not practical. No. Like there's, there's not enough practical aspects of it. So Ram came out with this commercial during the Super Bowl, just saying like, Hey, it, like highlighting all of that and saying, hey, we're going to be doing the EV stuff, but not too soon. Like mm. It was, it was just like a, Hey, it's coming, but yeah, we know not. that it's not quite, it's just a big dig at all the rest of the OEMs that are like, which I love it's here now. Yeah. I just, I, but I would love, I would have loved to see a hybrid launch. Yeah. I, I, and I don't know why that's they what we're, we're looking at a hybrid for our next car. I mean, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Like my grandparents have a hybrid. They yeah. love it. And they're actually getting to the but point they, where they're, no, they all discontinued them though. There's no hybrids mm. that are being made right now. You mean like American made or yeah, the, like American, American made. made. Yeah. Uh, but You're across right. I know the most popular OEMs, nobody has hybrids mm. unless they're like before 2020. Really? Okay. Well, I know the one we were looking at was a Toyota one they're still making. So that's good. So oh, Toyota's cool. still making a Highlander. Toyota. I like their ads too. So yeah, Toyota's fun. So Toyota's making a Highlander, which is like an SUV hybrid. It's a hybrid. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Good for them. And so they should lean into that. They should way more. It's so dude, their marketing. Your like SUV gets like thirty-eight miles of the gallon. Like as an SUV, it goes yeah. zero to sixty in four point nine seconds or whatever. There you go. Because they, it's so smart what they've done with with uh, hybrid technology. And the past hybrids were slow and like you know they didn't get up and going very much. But what they've done now is they've used the electric current because you know, there's there's no tor- like it's an immediate torque i don't know if you've ever driven, driven a tesla no when you put your foot down it's immediate power like yeah. there's no turbo lag right you know so what they've done is they've used that punch that electric punch to get the car up going and then the turbo kicks in okay so they've timed it to where there's no turbo lag so they use the hybrid motor to get the car initially going and then the engine gas engine gas. switches to turbo. So Seriously. now wow. now like hybrids are getting like Toyota Crown is a is a sedan that they're coming out with. Okay. That it's like a sedan slash SUV hybrid. It's a it's a hybrid max engine and it goes zero to sixty in like four point eight seconds. Wow. And so like they're That's using nice. the technology of electric and mixing it with that gas. So taking cool. the best of both. Yeah. Like why why did you have to just go straight it to like sense. let's and let's that, save the world and do EVs? Well, these coal power plants are literally fueling the EV productions. Yeah. And the best part, and we'll 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 stop here. Yeah. We'll camp out. Camp. <laughs> so the the thing that blows my mind, and we'll kind of leave it at this for this this thing, is like when we say, hey, we're not gonna we're not going to get oil here in America, but then they buy oil from overseas. But then it's like, how does it get to America on big freighters mm-hmm. that need oil to run? Yeah. That puts oil in the ocean. Right. That like, like, it's just, I can get on that tangent. Maybe we should just do like a, like put on our, like the YouTube video. This is a political podcast <laughs> just so people know and just talk about all the double standards there are. Yeah. Because it, it, it just doesn't make sense. There's an endless amount. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So tell me, let's let's okay. transfer to Modi. Obviously, you have a lot of knowledge when it comes to video production. Obviously, you guys are jumping into AI, which we just took thirty minutes to kind of talk about where AI is going, and I, that's exciting. Still um, figuring it out. Yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of new stuff. But what I'd love to do is talk about the start 
uh, obviously on the podcast, I interview entrepreneurs. If you're new to the podcast and you're still with us, I bring entrepreneurs onto the podcast when we talk about what it's like to get started, hopefully to motivate a lot of you out there. If you're sitting there on your couch or at your desk and you have headphones in, you're listening to this podcast and you're like, Hey, you know, I've thought about starting the business, but I've never had the courage to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Either I want you to this to be a motivational thing, or I want you to be like, yeah, I never want to do that. It'll give you at least some sort of clarity on us crazy people yeah. if uh, it's a good fit. So if we could just kind of st- go back in history to before Modi was in existence, did you go to college? No. Nope. Okay, I, I cool. went to a community college for you a couple semesters. You went to community semesters. college a couple semesters. When did you first be like, I, I think that I want to be an entrepreneur. I have an idea for a company. Like, where did you meet your partner? Like, let's kind of right. start in, in that story. Okay. Well, I didn't have the typical start where it's like 18 years old. I had my ice cream stand or, you know, I just, I just ran into a guy who was like so driven. So like, he's going to go far, but he, he had that mindset and he's 18 years old, you know? And so my dad always ran a company for 27 years. He had a, a gutter installation company, mm. uh, blue collar. Uh, and I saw that lifestyle. And I always, I always wanted that for my own family one day, mm. like being able to spend Saturdays together, being able to make it to all of our games, being able to, and I saw the flip side of that where other dads were tied up with work until 6 PM, mm. you know, every day, or, or they had to work weekends or, and they just didn't have the control to say, that's not what I'm going to do with my life. So I wanted that control to some degree. Um, but little did I know that at the start of a business, you have less control. You, it takes time to get there. And my dad, I never really saw that because I, I was, he had started his own company, you know, and by the time I was, you know, able to really observe that he had had it for 10 plus years mm. kind of thing. Um, so I, I saw the good stuff of being a business owner, you know, where it's like, you've made it, you have the lifestyle you want. You're making 200,000 a year, you know, just pocketing that, you know, and growing the company and hitting over a million, you know, in revenue. And so like I saw the benefits that that lifestyle or that that revenue and that uh, entrepreneurial mindset journey could bring from my dad. Mm -hmm. But I just never knew. Like I never thought, yeah, that's for me necessarily. I I wanted to get into video primarily. I was just passionate and excited about it. We shot videos when we were kids, you know, in mm. our backyards, you know, that typical story. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was fun times. And then when I went to, when I got to 18 years old, I had been going to community college for like, I was dual enrolled cause I was homeschooled. Mm. Um, and I, I had I racked up a couple credits. Um, but I was like, I don't really want to go into college. Like, it's just not for me. I want to take a year off and go overseas do some missions work. So I actually ended up going to South Africa um, for a year and a half or so. Okay. Uh, and there was this initial training that I went through. It's called a missions discipleship training program through Operation Mobilization. Okay. Um, they're similar to like YWAM or other missions organizations like that. But while I was there, I got to shoot more video and you know, I had people back in the States helping me to do this, right? It was kind of like a family and friends fundraising. Hey guys, can I do this, you know, yeah. for six months? And they're like, sure, we'll support, we'll support your dreams. It. Okay. Yeah. It's like, so, you know, that, there wasn't this entrepreneurial mindset at that point, right? Where yeah. I was like, I was just like, give me money and let, let me go to do this. And it was like, it was awesome. I, I still think of those people and 
the impact that their generosity had mm-hmm. because that year and a half was like the life most life-changing experience I had. Mm-hmm. Um, 18, 19, and I think I yeah, came back around when I was 19 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to shoot videos though um while i was in south africa okay and then share those back instead of writing up a newsletter and saying hey here's what i'm doing i shot a video and sent it back and i was getting this response from that like they were really excited they were it was really cool for them to see the visuals and back then you know most people just wrote an email and and sent it off and thanks for your support this is what's going on yeah, yeah. so what's going on you know and then take an hour you know, a half hour read through it sure. or whatever and and i didn't want to do that so I, I really enjoyed, I wanted to do that more, but I wanted to do it in a way that helped other people, other organizations, um, other missionaries. Mm. So I wanted to be able to shoot videos, bring them back and help raise more support so they could continue to the work that they were doing. Okay. So from that aspect, that's where I, I got back and I was like, I want to get into video production. So what did I do? I went out and I worked a blue collar painting job for four years in Birmingham. Mm. That helps. That helps you achieve your dream. <laughs> yeah. It was the first step that I needed to take to, for one, just add some skill sets. You know, like I, I just need to learn to work hard. Like I had just, I had worked for my dad over the summers. I had worked at a vet clinic, you know, when I was 16 and um, I was doing all these things, but I, I never just like were, learned to provide for myself and figure all of that out, work for someone, have a boss. Mm. I think a lot of entrepreneurs just Hey, I'm 18. I'm going to jump in. I'm just going to do this. I don't like listening to directions. I don't like listening to directions. I want to be my own boss. And I think that's a a misconception because you end up having 20 bosses and those 20 bosses are your clients Mm. and they're telling you what you need to do (laughs) and, and you got to deliver. Yeah. Honestly, that's, that's what it's like. Yeah. So it's not like it's this fallacy. I think that a lot Mm. of entrepreneurs have that like, Hey, I'm just going to jump into this from day one and figure it out. And you stick with it, you can, but I wanted, I, I guess looking back, it wasn't necessarily an intentional choice to do that. I wanted to get into video, but I realized the benefits that that had of sitting under someone mm. who was telling me what to sure. do and I had to follow directions. And you just had to work hard and I had to you work had to, hard, even when you didn't see the reason for it and keep my head down yeah, keep and your head down and grind. Yeah. And, and paint, right. One of the most boring you know, construction jobs you could have. I love the payoff at the end when you get to look at the wall and it's like, Looks cool, sweet. it's a different yeah. color. And yeah, that's awesome. But the sanding, the prep, all, you know, all of that along the way. It, honestly, I was able to, from that job, I was able to remodel my own house because I learned other things along the way. I had people mm. who could come over and help me install new cabinets and my, you know. So there was like, I learned these really practical skills, got my hands dirty, figured out like just how to do all of that. But then I started interning as uh, an editor working as an editor part-time for Matthew, who's now my partner. So I was on that path to going full-time into video and video Mm. editing. And Matthew said, don't go to school for this. Like I was thinking about going to school and rolling, you know, working at the same time. He's like, don't go to school. Just come on. I'll teach you everything I know. Uh, His schooling wasn't as like impactful for him. Like he Mm. he said, "I, I learned more just getting out there and doing it. And I knew for me, that's how I learned. Like, I wasn't an A plus student. I was a C student, you know, a B student, uh, mostly B's, but there's a few C's, no F's. I'm talking, yeah, yeah. Anyways, but I, I just was scraping by in school. I was like, I don't want to mm. do that. I want to learn hands on. And so he gave me that opportunity. Well, then we figured out we're video guys. We're not business guys. Mm. We like doing video. We like shooting videos. We like telling stories, creating content. 
but we don't know how to sell and we don't know how to run a business effectively. Mm -hmm. So whole wake up call there for us. And you've probably been in like that same boat, right? As an entrepreneur, just getting started, you're like bright eyed and bushy tailed, ready to go. And it's like, you know, life just kind of smacks you in the face. So talk to me about two things. Were you married? When did you get married in all of this? I had been married. So I've been married since I was 20. Wow. It's been like seven years. I won't tell your wife. She probably won't watch the podcast anyway. So <laughs> or no, you don't have to know. She won't. You have to, you Whenever have to we know. talk business, she's like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Tell her that we talked about AI. She'll be really AI. No, yeah. she, she's freaked out about that. I'm like, it's not that crazy. She's like, yes, it is. Don't, like, don't talk don't about do it. it. Yes. Um, so you were married while. So I was married at 21. Okay. And um, that was like, I, I was still working painting in construction. So. When I moved and made that jump into video editing and doing that part-time, the jobs dried up and we didn't have any more work. And I was like at a, a fork in the road now mm. where I had taken this step. I had gone full-time at that point um, and I was just editing. And then I was like brainstorming with Matthew, like, hey, what if we did something together? Mm. Like, what if we partnered up? I start taking on more of the sales. You know, we figure this out. I put myself into a few networking groups just on my own dime, you know, just to get the word out there more and what we were doing. I was buying courses, learning along the way, things that I add to my, you know, so coursework was huge in my learning process as mm. well. Um, rather than going online, I found someone specific who could tell me what I needed to do. So you went overseas to painting four years. Yep. Then you took an internship. Then the, the job started to dry up and you guys had a choice at that moment. You either said, okay, I need to not work with Matthew and find something else. Yeah. I need to, we, like, we need to figure something out or we just start our own thing. Yeah. So and just, so, just yeah, to go, paint the picture there, like yeah. we're, we're at this crossroads, right? And it's, it's a big deal. My wife's working, thankfully. And, and so we had that income coming in, but we were, we were, we had started a company called Modi. Right, which is now that video production company that we run. But back then, it was it was Vision Media Pro that was Matthew's company, and Modi was a mobile video editing service. Mm. It was a subscription, actually, and we thought this is a great idea. Let's build up a hundred, two hundred, a thousand subscribers, paying us a hundred bucks, you know, a month, and we'll build the subscription service and we'll just templatize the edits. It sounded really cool. Like I, 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 we were excited about it. Well. It all rode on business owners recording content. And how often do business owners record content? Never. There's no time. Yeah. They don't want to do it themselves. They have more money than they do time. Uh, so there was this factor in it all where it just, it wasn't going to ever work because business owners just wouldn't take the time to send in the footage, fill out the form. Mm. That's all they had to do. But Again, I, I don't I like I don't hold that against them because I'm a business owner now and it's like you just don't have that kind of time. So it fell flat on its face, but we were making six hundred bucks a month at that point at that that at that point in the company with Modi when we partnered up together and mm -hmm. went fifty fifty on Modi, we were making six hundred bucks a month mm -hmm. for two guys who had families and was that each or he, combined? I think Matthew had his first kid on the well, no, not quite, but yeah, we it was combined. Nice. So it was, it was with 300 bucks, let's split it and let's make Big this money, work. Big money, baby. Yeah. Big money, baby. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. And no, it was, mm. it was six months later, we took our first paycheck of like a thousand 
bucks, I think, for that month. Yeah. So it was rough. It was a rough start. So that's that's interesting. I mean, it kind of reminds me, I won't get into this now. We'll talk more later. But like, I made $300 a month in and I got married. Like, you know, and I'd been doing uh, a sales for only four months at that point. So it resonates yeah, with tight. me. Yeah. Uh, definitely. So talk to me about your first client. Because I think a lot of the hurdle for a lot of people, mm -hmm. they... They're like, I haven't done sales. I don't have that type of personality. You know, someone watching might have a really good idea. Like their idea yeah. is killer, but they're like, they're afraid of the sales because sales is scary. We have to go and deal with objections and talk to people. So how did you guys get your first client? What did that feel like to be like, we finally have a client? And then um, we'll go through the list of some of the, well, I'll tell you right now. So like Modi has now worked with companies like Quicken. I saw on your website, correct me if yep. I'm wrong, Ford. Yeah. Um, some stuff with them. There's a big client list that they've worked with. And um, probably in a second, we'll play one of their videos. I mean, it, it's unbelievable the, the content these guys have created, the stories they've created for these brands. So talk to me about the first client. Sure. And then if you wouldn't mind, talk to me about the well, ends you with... Too. I mean, you're welcome. I mean, dude, it's sweet. Like, I, I don't know where I read it, like your whole website. So like... like <laughs> We're redoing it all, by the way. No. It's okay. Well, because it looks like trash. No, it looks great. Like I even texted <laughs> no. him. It looks great. And I'll, I'll put the link down below. Check them out. It's cool because like if they have a big list of big companies, but it didn't start there. So like talk to me mm -hmm. about... For what I do, I have a brand behind me um, that is a very well-known insurance brand. So when I started, it was very easy for me to say, hey, I'm with this insurance brand. That gave me credibility as a person. Sure. But as an entrepreneur, when you start your own company and your own branding, yeah. there's no like nationwide credibility behind you guys. So right. how did you leverage not only being young, like young yeah. kids, kids yeah. starting their own company with their own yeah. branding and convincing somebody that you're like, hey, you pay us money and we will give you a good product. Yeah. So like, Sorry, that was a lot of talking. A lot, a lot of things the, come into it. I'll, I'll start with a, our first client, which, yeah, it gives you like this wind, you know, at your back that you feel like you can, you get some momentum going. Our first client, it was like, you start to get into desperation mode. Let me back up just a little bit. So we're somewhat in desperation mode, right? And when you get into that mode in sales, what happens? people just turn and run from you. Correct. Like they do not want anything to do with you because you lack confidence. You're, you're coming off desperate. You want their money. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're like trying, yes, I want your money, but I, I believe in my product and I believe in uh, what we're doing, but it doesn't come off that way. So we had this dog trainer over uh, funny enough. And this guy gave me probably the best piece of advice that I could have heard at the time. Mm. And he was saying, he's, he was an entrepreneur and he ran his own company and he came to people's houses and trained their dogs. And we had just got our first dog and okay. Thank <laughs> you. you. Thank you. Uh, Sorry, everybody's ears. <laughs> so, so anyways, the, this dog trainer, um, he, he was, he's too expensive for mm -hmm. one. Like we couldn't afford that. And I don't know why we decided to bring him over, but our dog was chewing up things and just yeah. making a mess of the house. Anyways, I was just telling him a little bit about my business that we had just started. And he's like, the, the best piece of advice I ever heard was don't chase the dollars, chase the value and the dollars will come. And that to me was this wake up call that if I just stay consistent, mm -hmm. continue to provide value to people looking to help them, it can in turn that will turn into results. Mm. And so I started doing that more. Um, and that was like this 
all like this this change in how I did sales. Listening to people, building that relationship, figuring out what need they have, what problem they have, so that you can bring in that solution. And you don't have a lot of belief belief at the beginning in your product, in who you are. Yep. There's a lot of insecurities when you're getting started as a business owner, so it's tough. Yeah. Um, but it over time, as your product continues to work and bring those solutions time and time again, it builds a lot of confidence. And a couple clients later, right, and we're doing a lot better. But we we decided to make the jump into this new office space when we had no money. We had we were working in a hundred square foot office space, right? It, it was, it just felt drab. The lights were, you know, mm-hmm. dim and the walls were, you know, bright yellow and it's just terrible. It just didn't feel like you, you need somewhat of that leveling up to make you feel like you're legitimate yeah. in your mind at times. So that's why responsibly, but we made the, the choice to jump into a new office. And the moment we did that, we landed our first recurring client mm. who would actually be using the office and paying the exact cost that our office costs. So like it was like a, a break-even thing where we could be in our office and this client was helping us take care of that for creating videos and mm. content for them. So it was, it was this immediate like, okay, we can do this. And then you get another lull and it's like these ups and these downs, but we were able to land um, a friend of ours runs a, a YouTube channel, Welker Farms. They're out of Montana. And we started editing for his YouTube channel back then. And uh, it was that recurring steady work. I think the first video took us like 20 hours to edit just because we were figuring out the style and all of that. And we eventually got it down to like, I think four or so, four to eight, just depending on the content. But that, those two clients coming in the door were huge just to getting some recurring revenue going and building on So that. were both your clients relationships that you guys have previously made in careers or did you One of them was a networking connection that okay. we had through our our local chambers. Yep. Um our name got out there and people were talking about video timing with the market is pretty big too where I don't look down on people who are starting print shops right now but is that really the good timing with the market? Yeah, like right. there's a lot of really good established print shops you still need them but is it hot? Is it trending? Is it, is it going to continue mm. to grow? Is the need going to grow? Video was one of those things where it's like back at the start, you know, when we got this going, we're in our fifth year now. Uh, we had to do a lot of education around video. Like, yeah, like why it's important. Yeah, why, why it's important. Should, yeah. most, most small business owners are like, I don't think I need that. Mm-hmm. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing, I got my website. I'm good. I'm writing some blogs. That's fine. It's like, well, video is that first impression that you can create online. It's that the most real version of yourself online that you can create right now. Mm. Now we have VR and all that coming out. But it, it, it was just this, it, we were on trend to some degree. Mm. And, and because we were young people also, we, we actually saw that as an advantage. People saw that as an advantage. So they looked at us and said, okay, these guys are young. They know video. Let's get them in and they'll figure out how to make this work. And and so that's where it started. Networking, some relationships, a little bit of luck, a little bit of prayer, all all kind of fits in there. Lots of prayer. Lots of prayer and a little <laughs> bit of luck, right? Yeah. Do you, and then I guess I want to kind of take this, you know, I want to camp at, camp at this for a second. Do you feel that you guys have, after four or five years, so statistically, if you make it three years as a business owner, your business is going to succeed. The first three years are where most business owners, like businesses die. Yeah. So if you can make it over that three-year hump, it's like, okay, we're, we are in a 
at least a comfortable mode. Now we're still in growth mode, but whatever. You guys have brought some people onto the team. I know it's always that balance. And this is what I'm struggling with too. Like we we, we bought this office space probably before I was able to buy this yeah. office space. And yeah. um, uh, it's, it's always, always like, it always feels like a risk. One step ahead. So, it, yeah. you know, you revenue 200,000 and you're like, great. But then your expenses cut, get cut up and then you revenue 400. How do you guys balance scaling like with growing and then also making sure that you can handle the growth that you're doing because if you keep growing you have more clients you have more current clients you have that work that needs to get done right but then you make these hires and work slows like how do you guys balance and make those decisions yeah i'm not the best person to answer that matthew is our finance guy and it comes down to cash flow and that's always been a challenge it's probably one of the biggest challenges for for most businesses is mm. just having cash flow so that you can keep growing and scaling and then making smart decisions along the way. I just think uh, contracts, like I think back to contracts, when we secure a retainer client, it's like a, it's like a six to 12 month retainer where we're creating content for them. Well, that gives us this confidence to bring on someone to help mm. fulfill that retainer. So it's like this, and that's how we hired our first employee was we landed two after our Bronco short film, yeah, um, I saw that. That was sweet. For Father's Day, we landed two clients out of that where we were able to uh, secure around $10,000 of recurring revenue so we could bring on um, our first editor, Ryan, who's now scaled into you know producing. And we're looking to hire again because we just landed two more retainers as well mm. in the YouTube space. That's just how we've done it. Once we have this contract locked in, we bring on an employee. That makes sense. So we've never taken like this risk and just said, all right, hopefully the sales are just going to keep coming in mm. as fingers much. crossed. Now yeah. I think we will eventually have to make that risk. Yeah. But if we have like a, a good proven process and a steady stream of revenue coming in from sales, then we can, we can make the, a more calculated risk. Mm. I think most business owners are risk takers and everything feels like a risk. Yeah. Like getting into that new office, even though it was 700 a month, it, just felt like a big risk at the time going from 300 a month. Yeah. You know, and then when we went from the 700 a month to our now office of two grand a month, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's like, this is a big jump and it's a risk, but when we did it, it's paid off. Right? Yeah. So I don't know if we ever, like we got over that three, three year marker. There's some, a level of security and legitimacy to who you are. You've built connections. You have some confidence at this point. You know what your product is a little bit more. We know what the product yeah. is. We know where we're living um, in terms of content creation. You know, even in the space where it's like, oh, we've got phones and you can create content yourself and you can hire a videographer to shoot ads and you can hire a team in Nepal to edit your videos. Yeah. You can bring in AI here. Even in that space of like, wow, there's all this other stuff, we stick to I think what is the most impactful side of video and that's storytelling. Mm. Like if you can't tell a really engaging story, um, then how is it going to resonate at the end mm. of the day? So there's strategy and creativity to that. And that's what we bring with, with our clients. But yeah, we figured it out. Like not, we figured out that process of telling a really great story and we're still learning new ways of doing that, but that's what we bring to the table. And, and that's, we don't steer away from that. Like we, lean into that so to tell the people if i said what is modi like what's the sales pitch what's the i'm a business owner i'm like hey man what do you do yeah so a lot of people i, I guess the, the simple version is we don't just create videos we tell stories and a lot of times those 
stories take digging. It takes mm-hmm. research. It takes figuring out your brand, understanding who you are as a company, mm-hmm. and then telling that in a story form, starting with the problem and you know, ending with the outcome and the moral of the story. Right? Like we all love a story. We all love listening to a story. If we talk in stories and stories are what are most memorable. Mm. I, we, I was just recently at an event uh, downtown in Detroit and it was this learning event for entrepreneurs. And this speaker was all about talking all about story. And he asked a person in the audience if he could remember three things five years from now, porridge, a chair, mm. and a bed. Okay. Five years from now, if I asked you if you could remember those things, do you think you could, could you recite those perfectly? Probably not. Okay. Maybe. I'm not sure. Like 10 years from now, do you think you could remember what we talked about? Just porridge, chair, bed? No. Okay. But if I told you Goldilocks and the Three Bears, it's it's a story. Now, do you think you could remember 10 years from now? Sure. What that was? Yeah. I know where you're going with this. Right. So I like it. He was just saying that the story once you have objects and items in a story, it's memorable. Mm. So that's the power of story. So we don't just shoot videos, we tell stories. And if mm. you can tell stories, you can be memorable. And people don't often remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. So if you can deliver a story that has feeling and emotions, you can leave a lasting impact on your audience. Yeah, so I, I, know, I think that's a good lesson for anyone in sales. Like regarding the, regardless of what they're selling. I mean, you guys as a company specialize in helping people find their story and then broadcast their story and distribute that story in the help that, you know, they might sell more of their products or whatever. But, you know, in any sales job, and you mentioned this earlier, talking about delivering value, we have a phrase, basically it's products are fine, but stories sell. Even, so your job is to create stories. Yeah, that's, we have a very good training program. That's cool. Like we... When we sell, we tell stories. Like, I'll give you an example. So um, if I said, hey, uh, I sell cancer insurance. Do you want to buy it? Mm-hmm. No. Why? Well, I'm probably not going to get cancer. Yeah, I don't have I don't, cancer. I don't have cancer. Yeah. But if I said this, I said, hey, I just had a client who was 25 and was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer or whatever, right? was diagnosed with throat cancer or whatever the situation is. I can pull a real one out if you want to. Like, um, or I'll give you a real scenario. Hey, there's a woman, she was 50 years old with three kids. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. Their health insurance paid for a lot of the bills, but it didn't cover her missed time work. Then she was missing work going to treatments. Her husband was also missing work taking her to treatments. They also had to hire babysitters for the kids. So not only did their income slow down, they also, their expenses went up because they had to pay their $5,000 deductible and they had to pay for babysitters and they still had to buy groceries and their income slowed down. The cool thing about a supplemental cancer program is that it actually pays you cash to be able to live the life you're used to living so you can focus on the disease. And it generally starts around like 30 bucks a month. I don't know about you, but people generally spend about 50 bucks a month on Starbucks. So if we, like, what is it worth to you to get something right. like that? All of a sudden, that's a story. For that's you. a story. Yeah, and so and it, it bypasses right the the logical part of your brain, and it immediately crosses over into the creative side that you just can't refute. Correct. And and everybody buys on emotion. Correct. Right. But when you can paint a story of the real value you're bringing, yep. And that's what you a, just and did. It's a, and it's a good product. I believe in what the product is. Yeah. You're not going to be able to help somebody understand what a product is by just being like hey, this is what, whatever, this is the product, this is how it works, here's the numbers, these are the payoffs. 
It's like, this is either a story, you need to make them feel valuable, you need to help them understand what the value is that you're trying to deliver, and you do that, and you said this earlier, by actively listening. If you don't actively listen to a client, you're going to have no idea where to go, what stories to tell, and and uh, so that's why, like, if we if we would run a business meeting, so if, if I was like, hey, I want to I want to put benefits in your company, seventy percent of that meeting is me asking questions. Yeah, right. And then thirty percent is being like, okay, by the way, this is what we can do. Yeah. And so if more people took that approach, if you're in any sales career, you want to start a business, like, that's a that's a really good point. I'm glad right. you brought that up. Start with listening, understanding the problem. You just were able to articulate the problem in that story at the beginning. Like what you did at the start was paint the problem, mm-hmm. paint the emotional distress that they were in, uh, the struggles that they were going through and experiencing. And, and you spent very little time actually talking about what you do. Yep. And most of us, I think in sales, like love what we do. So we love talking about it. Correct. Right. And, and even as business owners, if you're a business owner selling selling something, oftentimes you focus way too much on the actual product, mm-hmm. not enough time on listening and articulating the yeah. problem, understanding the pain that they're going through. But if you can figure that out, the solution is like, it's simple. Here's what we do. Yeah. And so that's to me, the special thing of what you guys do is you guys not, you guys don't just do video production because if you guys just did video production, I mean, you know, I would Google like who has the best equipment, who has the best, you know, like videos of, of examples. And, but you guys do more than that. You take it a step deeper because it's like, we're not just going to edit for you. We're right. going to also help you tell your story. Right. And that's invaluable. If, if, that's why Super Bowl ads are so expensive. Mm-hmm. They sucked this year across the board, in my opinion. Most of but them, yeah. the reason why, I mean, if you look at like the old Budweiser commercials with those Clydesdales, right. like it had nothing at all to do with beer. Right. But it made people feel a certain way. Yep. And telling that story and that branding is like, that's invaluable. So if I was a business owner, I would work with like Modi or a company like yours that understands the value in storytelling and video, not that just wants to be an editor. Right. So I'm glad that you differentiated that. That's a helpful, that's a helpful thing that people need to think through. I think any video production company, if they're going to be a full service production company, they have to learn that. They have to learn how to tell a good story. Mm. And I would say we're still learning how to do that. Uh, We've gotten pretty far in that process of learning and and asking the right questions and listening and figuring, getting to the bottom of what you're trying to do. Uh, But it's a process too. Some do it better than others. And the bigger your budget too, the more time you can spend in learning that story. And that's why, you know, these these commercials on super, like I was actually just going to bring this up. I'm glad you, you brought up uh super bowl commercials well there was this one last year who who won the super bowl last year i don't even know i don't even remember man right nobody i mean tell a story maybe somebody will remember but (laughs) there was a commercial for bitcoin and if you remember that commercial specifically it actually broke the internet like the the site got shut down because there's so many visitors after this commercial aired and what was it 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 was a qr code bouncing around on a screen you remember it. Why? Remember Why do you remember that? Well, I did it. Oh, you, you did the commercial? Yeah, I, was like, I grabbed my phone. I'm like, I don't know what this is, <laughs> but I'm going to... Exactly, yeah. right? And, and that idea, I think they paid like $1.3 or a million mm. for that ad. That took an editor probably an hour to create, but it was the concept, the creativity, the idea... That it that it brought to the table mm. was it a, an impactful story? Will we will we remember it like ten years from now? 
Probably not. We're not going to be bringing it up and talking no, about but it did its the job. Clydesdales. It did yeah. its job. It had the cre- creativity, the idea, and the intrigue mm. to be a little different. So there's there's that side of it too. Yeah. And what we're going to do, guys, so uh, if you're if you're with us right now, if it's okay with you, I'd love to play a video of your guys's on the podcast. Let I me mean, do that. We could do that. So if you guys go to modiservices.com, I'll put the link below, and they have a whole section that talks about their work. And literally, like I'm looking at their website right now, and there's a title that literally said, every motor tells a story. I love that because we're literally talking about telling that you do this and there's proof like, yeah, you're not just blowing hot air up my butt. Yeah. So I love that. So we'll play. Let's do the My Place. Okay. So my Place Kia. It's a recruiting ad. It's short. It's like 30 seconds. So okay. it won't take too much time. So I'm just going to hit, hit play. Yeah. For me, it started in my driveway. I didn't want just any old job. I want a place that I'm passionate about that took care of me. There it is. And it didn't take long at Selling Place Kia. And before I knew it, I was working on my own vehicles, taking charge of my own career path. And what do you know? Now I'm the boss. Selling Place Kia, service department, I can help you. Man, I love that. Can I tell you right off the bat, things that I... Yeah, what, what I wanna, do you, what I wanna, do you think? I want to, like, dissect that. See For if sure, I can. let's, let's so, do it. Right off the bat, if you notice, there is steps. So it's like step one. It's a recruiting ad. So it's a recruiting ad in a, in yeah. a way. Like they want people For to sure. work at the company. But you didn't just say, now hiring. Here are your benefits. Right. You told the story of a guy starting at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak, ending as a manager or, or CEO. You told, yeah. And you said, step one, do this. Step two, do this. All the way to step four. And he was saying what people think. Yeah. So if I went to an average person that's unhappy with their current workplace, I said, hey, what's important to you? I, especially our generation, they say, I want to feel valued. He's like, I want to not only work for a place, but I want to work for a place that feels valued. Right. And then I want to work for a place where I have control and I have upward mobility. And you hit all of those hot button issues that people think about, but you did it in a storytelling way while sub every cutscene was him moving to either a different job within the company yep. or, and I love the fact that you use the same actor for all of them. And then it showed at the very end, he was at like a general manager position or some sort of boss position or sales position. Yeah. And it like, so you didn't say, he never said there's upward mobility here, but just the visual of him working him through growing. the different, it, it made this like, man, Summit, I kind of want to work there. That, like That was during COVID too, when nobody, like everybody needed people. Mm. And so they were just, throwing out money to to hire on people on indeed spending two grand a week trying to find someone with no video no background there so that, that was a fun one honestly yeah that that turned out great but it it shows the power of storytelling and so if there's any business owners watching this if there's any entrepreneurs watching this if you have something you want to sell i mean heck if you're doing if you know if you're a mom and you're selling essential oils you know out of your living room stories are what sell stories are what gets buy in stories are what makes it believable and you probably do have a good product like i yeah. believe i have one of the best insurance products for what we do in the nation right i can say that or i can tell a story and actually help people believe it right a good product with a bad story won't sell a bad mm-hmm. product with a good story will sell unfortunately that's how it works right and, and if you can combine the two yeah. Then it's like then it's game over for a lot of a right. lot of entrepreneurs. Right. Yeah. Because you won't be racking up bad reviews and like, wait, I thought this product did this and Correct. you know, right? So if you if you have a good service with a good story, you can grow. A good product with a good story, 
it's a it's a winning success or a winning formula. Yeah, I love that we talk about stories so much. Actually, for those, I'm going to put the video somewhere up here. I, if you want to know if you think you should do sales, I'm going to put a link to a video I recorded, four things that you need to know before you do sales. Sweet. And yeah. um, one of those things is you have to have a good product. If you don't mm -hmm. have a good product, there's no point selling it. Yeah. Um, my and conscience doesn't even let me. Right. Like I couldn't do that. Right. But you need to do your research before you work at whatever company they're going to ask you. Like, I can't tell you every day I get, I get a pharmaceutical job offering for a sales rep every single day. And it's like, I'm not kidding. Base pay, 200000 Yeah. Crazy. With commission. And so why don't you take it? Because the product sucks. Or right. I don't know if it sucks. I just don't want to get into pharmaceuticals. I, that's just something right. to me. Not, I, so I'm there's two things. There, yeah. Passion and a belief. Yeah. In, in the product itself. Like Correct. When we first got started with Modi, it, it was a struggle to believe in what we were doing. Mm. And then the people along the way helped bring that legitimacy, that credibility that we needed to hear. Like I remember sitting across from uh, one of our clients and we were just kind of babbling on and like stumbling over our words with price. Mm -hmm. And she's like, stop, 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 stop. You guys are worth it. You're valuable. I love what you do. I'm willing to pay whatever it is. Just tell me. Just tell me the price. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is so relieving. Yes. Like that, that's what they're thinking. Yes. But the more you just kind of like hem and haw, mm. the less credible you actually come across at the mm. end of the day. Like if you're not confident in your pricing, if you're not confident in your product and you don't have that belief, it takes some time to get there. I'll grant you that, you know, but I guess fake it till you make it. I don't like that, that phrase in, in and of itself. Like I, I think you have to have belief in, in your product. But you're going to learn what works and what doesn't along the way. I think the fake it to your make it makes sense when you're talking about your own personal confidence. Like if you're not, you can't fake a good product, but you can right. fake how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Like you can fake confidence. Like you might be inside freaking the crap out, right. but you don't have to let people know that. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that that's why I'm successful. And why I've been successful is I learned how to fake confidence. Mm. Yeah. I would be sweating, my back would be sweating, my hands would be sweating, but you would have no idea. You would have thought that I did, like I sold insurance for like 15 years right? because I was confident. Yeah. And learning that. That's good. Learning how not to be... Um, insecure. Insecure, especially when you're talking to a business owner 30 years older than you. Right. Learning that, yes, they have a lot to learn, but in this scenario, like I know my product Right. I'm going to be confident that I can help you. Now, let me ask you the questions because this is the best part. Confidence comes when you know you can actually help them and you don't actually know that you can help them until you actually ask them questions. That's good. Yeah, that's and really so, good. And so, but once you, once you ask those questions, you're not just throwing up a sales pitch on somebody. Right. You're actually like, okay, I believe that Modi or I believe England Insurance or I believe that this is now a good fit. That's when passion kicks in. Right. That's when belief kicks in. And that's when it's just game over. Game over. Like they can't, they can't yeah. say no at that point. Yeah. You could, you know, this is where I think Apple is an interesting example. Okay. People will pay stupid money for an iPhone. Stupid money. Stupid money for a Mac, I in my have, opinion. I still have a 10, but. I, I, don't even use, I don't even have Apple. Nothing yeah. I have. I still space expensive stuff for Google Pixel. Anyway, but we spend expensive money for like, let's say Apple for a long time. They were the premium brand. Now things are kind of equal. Like they're not necessarily more expensive right. than other stuff. But at least, you know, Macs are pretty expensive compared to other PCs, right? The way that Apple made them feel, you're part of a family. You have an ecosystem of our brand. Like, like they literally created this like family of apple users like 
And so it made people right. feel a certain way when they saw the Apple logo on somebody else's phone and they're like, man, I want that. I make 30 grand a year, but I'll buy a $3,000 laptop. Yeah. Because I want to feel a certain way. And they've and always so, started with that, you know, in their marketing. Yep. They, they had, they were competing a thousand phones in your pocket mm. was their line for the iPod. Uh, was it the iPod? iPod yeah. Nano? Yeah, I think the first one, the first oh, like rendition. The brick, like white. The brick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually a terrible product mm. compared to like Microsoft had a product. I don't even know what it's called like an anymore. MP3 player? Like it's just an old MP3 player? Or was it like? Yeah, it could, it could hold more songs. It could play, you know. Yeah. But they marketed it off of the specs and they still market it off the specs a lot of the times. I don't know why. Like I, when I look at Microsoft, it's like that's, that's how they Here's advertise. A list, yeah. Whereas Apple has always been, here's the story, mm -hmm. a thousand phones in your pocket. That resonates way more than mm. saying, hey, we, can, we have 64 gigs or whatever. It was like maybe one gig at the time, yeah. but crazy. Uh, and that worked. It just blew up and they surpassed you know, Microsoft and sales and all of that. Yeah. And they were double expensive and it didn't matter because yeah. um, that shows you the power of storytelling. I mean, even now, Apple still like tells stories in a lot of their ads. They do, and they don't ever make it about the product. You like right. you're at the very end. You're like, oh, this is an iPhone commercial. Right. You don't even know halfway through what kind of commercial it is until right. you kind of see. That's a what couple I hate emblems. about car commercials. Mm. They're always about the car. Nobody actually, I mean, except the car enthusiasts and the people. I think they're kind of in a bubble mm. in their advertising. It's like, oh, we just made a really cool car and we want to show show it, right? Like the Bronco you know, short film that we did. It wasn't about the Bronco. Bronco is the guide in the story. Mm -hmm. The hero of the story was the person using the Bronco and their story. Mm. And, and oftentimes businesses make the mistake of saying, hey, I'm the hero of the story instead of the guide. Yeah. And that's from story brand Donald Miller. Like I recommend mm. his book on that, just going through it. But it's, it's the power of uh, positioning yourself as the guide in the story because the guide is always going to make the right decisions. They're going to do what's right for the client through difficult challenges mm. whereas the hero of the story is always going to have ups and downs mm. that's your client make the client the hero of your story in your marketing yeah i love that i love that i think that that gives us a good segue to kind of wrap this thing up i have two questions okay because we kind of come all this to close we talked about a lot today we talked everything from you know ai but then i thought we got in a really good groove there and a little bit talking about like what it's like to give a good branding idea for a, a small company, for a small entrepreneur. But I have two, two questions to end us off for this episode. Sometimes on the internet, and it really ticks me off, is entrepreneurs make it feel, are these like internet celebrity personalities that started companies that are, they now have billions of dollars. They make it seem like an entrepreneur is an easy life. They make it seem that it's, it's like guaranteed that you're just going to make money just buy my course. If you buy my course, I'll show you eight ways to make passive income and all this crap. Yeah. And so when I have entrepreneurs on the channel, one that, I mean, in this scenario, Phil didn't even finish college. He went and did a bunch of different careers until kind of God brought it to write the perfect timing. And then since then, like he said earlier, it took what, six to seven months to get any type of decent paycheck from the company. I mean, what is an honest, if you could say this is what an entrepreneur life is like, in my opinion, just kind of give uh, uh, the good, the bad, maybe talk about like one of the hardest things you've gone through and then what's some of the best you've gone through. Talk to me about what is the hardest thing that you've gone through as an entrepreneur, yeah. familial, business, oh, and then what's the best thing? 
That's that's a good question. Uh, oh, where would I where would I begin? It it definitely is a a challenge when you're getting started. It's always going to be a challenge getting something off the ground. You're going to have to put the effort in, the hard work, the mm-hmm. later nights. Uh, but I genuinely believe that the best part of being an entrepreneur is a freedom of time, time to do the things you you genuinely want to do and fulfill your mm. purpose that you were put here on planet earth for am i ever going to get the freedom of time just stop working and do my own thing i don't even think that would be enjoyable like i i i like work yeah. you know and that's why i get up every morning and i get to go to work but i mm. i love what i do so I, there's a lot of misconceptions around entrepreneurship and i actually think that whatever you want you can achieve Ultimately, like if you if you want to build a company that's and you put in the hard work and the time and effort, energy, you can have like I know people who've retired, you know, at 40 and with millions of dollars. And that happens like yeah. that can happen. But, you know, it's not what I'm in it for. What I'm into entrepreneurship for is to not own a job, uh, a nine to five not have someone who's saying like, Phil, you need to wake up and do this and, and fulfill this. Um, for the company. Um, I, I want to be able to spend weekends with my family. Mm. I want to be able to make it to every single soccer game, essentially, hopefully that Wes. Mm, uh, play wa- some soccer. Yeah. We'll see. I got him watching soccer with me on Saturday morning. So we're off to a good start, but it's, uh, it, I, I want to do the things where family can come mm. first and not second. And I want to do the things that I ultimately want to do documentary filmmaking, you know, still. I want to go. And I was able to do that for the first time last year. We went to Honduras. Nice. We shot a documentary. We were there for a week uh, putting together videos now around that and around their sponsorship program. It's just I'm, I'm passionate about it. I'm excited about it. So it gives me the freedom to decide, hey, I want to do, I want to do this thing that I'm passionate about. Mm. Um, hey, and I get to say yes or no to that. So that's your best part. What's your worst part? What's a what's a hard memory that you, when you think back in the memory bank? There's a single like this moment I was at my low. Like I didn't think we were gonna come out. I didn't know if it was gonna continue. Do you have a moment like that? There's a lot of moments like that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of moments you're like, gosh, the 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 cash is not in the bank. We're gonna have to delay payroll for ourselves, pay everybody else, and not you know not get paid, and then you see that bank account personally dwindling and you're like, that's when the rubber meets the road mm-hmm. and you're just, it comes down to that financial struggle um, to get things off the ground. Mm. The moment I started making more than my job previously, I was like, sweet. But now I, I think it's just relative, right? Like I, I have more expenses, of course, as the yeah. family grows and you have kids and so you have to provide more. Uh, but if I think back there's not a lot of things that I would look at and complain about because the hardest things mm-hmm. that I had to go through, the times that we had to skip ourselves on payroll, the times that I had to pull a late night or Matthews had to pull all-nighters at times to get projects done and edited for clients. And we've both been in that boat together. But the times where I just, a dry season of sales, that's frustrating mm-hmm. and draining and you know, you start to lack, you know, maybe self-confidence and all of that. But 
those I think are the things that would teach us the most in life. Shape. I'm excited to see what both of our growth looks like in 2023. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. See you on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye.